This is the SF Productions Podcast Network. How I Got My Wife to Read Comics Episode 528 Can a comic book collector of over 30 years get his wife to read them? Will she let him keep them? Learn more in this podcast. Let's go to the comic book lounge with Mindy and Mark. Long live the Legion. It's all doom and gloom for the Justice League. You've been all snapped. Alfred keeps track. Clark just wants to heat up a burrito. Dial H Origins at cross purposes. Doom Patrol goes meta. And eating pine cones with Jesus. This is how I got my wife to read comics for Sunday, November 10th, 2019. I'm Mark. And I'm Mindy. Just a reminder, you can go to sfpodcastnetwork.com to get the feed, other SF podcasts, and blogs. You can subscribe via your favorite podcast catcher and leave us a review. You can email sfpodcastnetwork at gmail.com, like us at facebook.com slash sfppn, follow us on Twitter at sfppn, check out tumblr.com slash blog slash sfppn, or call us at 614-321-9737. That's 614-321-9SFP. Mark, before we get started, I just want to put out a plug for your travel blogs that you do. Okay. We had a special episode of this show a couple weeks ago because of the fact that we were on vacation. And Mark just loves to blog our vacations. And it's so much fun. So I just want everyone to go out there and read Mark's blog of our vacation. Well, thank you. Legion of Superheroes, number one by Bendis Sook von Grabadger and Belair. We've reached the real reason that Brian Michael Bendis jumped ship to D.C. It's clear this is what he wanted to do all along. Like most of Bendis' work, we jump into the middle of things. An alien ship slash creature is flying through the sewers of Planet Gotham. Four LSHers are chasing it. Ultra Boy, various superpowers, but can only use one of them at a time. Karate Kid, a master of martial arts, Star Boy can control Starlight, and Wildfire, a non-corporeal being locked in an exosuit. The ship is carrying a mystical artifact in a case, and Mordrew, a classic LSH villain, described here as a demon gangster, wants it. They manage to scare it off, and we find out what's in the box. Aquaman's trident. Cut to Saturn Girl, Telekinesis, and Superboy, John has accepted Legion of Superhero membership, traveling to the 31st century via time bubble. She's trying to prepare him for the experiences and keeps referencing the Age of Heroes, which is the current DCU. They are greeted by what appears to be most of the Legion. There is a sort of mental heads-up display as he meets people, which lists their names and abilities, also useful for Legion newbies. We get cameos from Cosmic Boy with magnetic powers, Lightning Lad, you can guess his power, Bouncing Boy expands like a balloon. Triplicate Girl can split into three people. Brainiac 5, good guy descendant of the Superman villain. Chameleon Boy, a shapeshifter. Timberwolf, a fighter. Dream Girl, precognition. Rose of Rose and Thorn is also there, as she was during the Millennium Mini. They keep ignoring her. What if she's not really there, Mark? What if she's a ghost? (laughs) That's a good question. Hmm... We later see what appears to be a yellow lantern. John learns that New Earth is a series of domes tied by energy stocks to the husk of Old Earth and understandably freaks out. They keep mentioning an orientation prepared for him that would help him out, but he's not interested. 
Suddenly, there's a red alert at Legion HQ, an entire city, set off when the Trident was teleported there. Unfortunately, the portal was left open and the Horaz have arrived to retrieve it. Meanwhile, the leader of the United Planets is briefed on these events and is not happy about it. An auspicious start to the series. Justice League number 34 and 35 by Snyder, Tinian, Redondo, Manipole, Porter, and Hi-Fi. There's way too much to cover here in detail, but here are the cliff notes. Commandy has collected leaguers from throughout the multiverse, including what appears to be Night Owl from Watchmen, all of which attack Brainiac 1 million while another team confronts Apex Lex, and all the Starmen link up to open the gates to the final battle. Kendra is the key to all this, and she decides it's better to attack Lex directly. And and she's been told like 19 times. Don't do that. We need you. You're the key pin. Don't let this go. Kendra, you're stupid. This, all, of course, goes pear-shaped and perpetual wins as the doom symbol appears in the sky throughout the multiverse. The JLA and JSA meet back up at the Hall of Justice as the populace turns into anarchy. Earth-19, where the steampunk Gotham by Gaslight OGN was based, is wiped out by Perpetua. So now we're down to 51 Earths. Lex is sent to go kill all the heroes. We know this wraps up in December, so things have to go the hero's way soon, right? Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen, number four of 12, by Fraction, Lieber, and Fairburn. We learn what Jimmy has been doing in Gotham. He's doing an online jackass-like show as Timmy Olsen, with a T, as Jimmy is supposedly dead. He put bees in Dr. Fate's helmet and sees how many jokers are needed at a food truck to get Batman's attention. He's also been busy with a crazy board showing all the connections he's tracking, so Lois is there to find out about all this. Now, Mark, I realize that this book probably doesn't really fit into continuity. No. But I suspect this isn't really Lois because Lois smoking? Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, you have to wonder if it's that's true. It could be somebody other than Lois. Lois, somebody in disguise as mm. Lois. So we cut to Jimmy earlier being taken into custody, being charged with Murder 11, which involves a killing somewhere in the multiverse. It's coming from a corrupt detective paid off by a mysterious woman in a lethal manner. Back to the crazy board, which takes us back to the early days of pre-Metropolis until today. It proves to Jimmy that Lex is planning something that will give him control of all the infrastructure of the city, and it's why people, including him, kind of, were killed. Lois asks if Jimmy's told anyone about this. Funny you should ask. He confronted Lex directly, posing it as helicopter pilot. So Jimmy has declared war on Lex and Batman via Timmy's pranks and even rigged up a super signal to escalate things. Whew! Speaking of the Dark Knight... Batman Annual Number 4 by King, Fornes, Norton, and Stewart. Tom King is being kicked out of the main title and dropped into a Bat-Cat miniseries, so this is his last chance to place his stamp on the Cape Crusader. Mindy's not a fan of the King run. Nope, nope, nope. So we're not covering the main title for now. Bruce and Bane are fighting, yada, yada, yada. But I did want to mention the annual in passing. This story is all from Alfred's diary telling these daily tales of Batman's adventures. We literally go from March 7th to April 24th, with the stories being shortened as we go, going from multiple pages down to a single panel. Seems like Bruce is rather busy. 
chasing bank robbers on horseback over rooftops, slaying actual dragons, defeating a boastful UFC champ, solving a locked door mystery, finding an old flame who's now a murderer, stopping the handoff of a missile info on the train, answering a question of a celestial being with, I'm Batman. Fighting mummies, sharks, blimps, calabac, dinosaurs, alligators, knights. It just goes on and on with the pace increasing to a dizzying pace. I think Tom King could have written Batman for 20 years and not run out of stories. He probably could have. So why did he have to drag this one on for so long? (laughs) Wonder Twins number nine from Wonder Comics by Russell and Byrne. Polymath is staying with the twins, which is the least they could do after they ruined her life. The Batplane picks them up for work, a special job helping out the world's finest in a foreign dispute. It's all cut and dried for Clark and Bruce. Refugees are on board. Still up for a movie tonight? Gun cop at 7.30. See you there. Back to Polly, who grabbed a disc with one of her father's early projects, Colonel 86, a program designed to solve the world's problems. It tended to glitch going from data vaccines kill viruses and save children to vaccines save viruses and kill children. So the project is shelved. Polly is understandably mad at Jaina, who replies with their family's dark secret. Her grandfather, who was a judge on Exor, wound up sending thousands to the Phantom Zone just for being different. Now the twins have to live with that knowledge. However, this also gives them a way to possibly save Polly's dad, since he apparently was also sent to the zone. Jaina later has a heart-to-heart with Superman, who was just there to heat up a burrito. Doesn't he have heat vision? Yeah, you would think he could heat up his own burrito. (laughs) He gives her a pep talk. In a world filled with destruction, the act of life is reclaiming what we can from the wreckage. Meanwhile, the Scrambler is given time to do some email in prison, giving him the opportunity to activate his master plan to swap everyone's minds. Unfortunately, the server involved was just sold off at an estate sale. The same people also managed to buy an old computer that houses Colonel 86, which they hook up to the internet. Oops. Dial H for hero number eight from Wonder Comics by Humphreys, Quinones, Ganucho, and Gibson. I'm really sorry if I mispronounce comic creators' names, They make up names that are so weird. Yep. In a story that is rather hard to follow or even read, we learn the dual origins of the operator and Mr. Thunderbolt. You read the book from front to back, skipping a page each time to get the former, and from back to front, skipping pages for the latter. The whole issue is wrapped inside a conceit that you, the reader, are activating the H dial in the comic itself. Robbie Reed finds the H dial and goes through various guises, all real ones from the Silver Age, at one point fighting the Thunderbolt gang. But he can't save his grandpa from dying in a hospital bed, so he goes on a quest that leads to the Heroverse. He's given the multiverse map, which happens to correspond to a classic telephone rotary dial. This brings him to the Y dial that turns him into the Operator. It also splits the Heroverse into light and dark, while bifurcating him into himself and Mr. Thunderbolt. Mr. Thunderbolt is created by the Y-Dial and plans to give everyone in the multiverse superpower. He's the one who gives Robbie the multiverse map. Of course, Robbie rejects the plan and the two of them go to war. Mr. Thunderbolt is sent back to the real world as a phantom, unable to do much directly. However, he does influence others to create the Thunderbolt Club. He also goes on a quest to collect the various H-Dials in the multiverse, which will give him the power to use the multiverse dial. 
Told you it was confusing. In the end, Miguel wakes from a dream involving Betty Rubble giving him a massage, where he also sees the black H-dial that happens to be in Apocalypse. Doom Patrol, Way to the World's number five from Dark Animal by Way, Lambert, Pitara, and Bonvillian. Meet teenager Clark in what is apparently the real world. He's a fan of Vertigo and Young Animal, based on the posters on his bedroom wall. He's also obsessed with Doom Patrol and uses it to help make decisions in his life by picking out a random issue, pointing at a random panel, and doing what the voice balloon says. This time, he happens to find Dorothy Spinner, who was in the classic Morrison run but new to the current series. Dorothy uses scissors to rip a hole in the comic and drags Clark into it. Dorothy's looking for Robot Man, and Clark knows where to go. Cliff is at Home Danny, getting some screws. Danny the radio tells him someone new is in town. There's a lot of fourth wall breaking, with Clark referencing how Dorothy died. He has the issue in his backpack. Clark refuses to let Dorothy actually touch the comics. She's planning to have them slabbed, but then how will she use them to make decisions? Clark ditches Dorothy and finds Cliff and tells him that Dorothy is back, but she's actually a scissor man. A fight ensues, and Dorothy Scissor Man manages to cut off Cliff's hand. In the end, Clark grabs another comic with Danny the Brick on the cover, using it to clobber faux Dorothy. Cliff's hand has fallen into the real world and sends Clark to retrieve it, using it as an excuse to leave her where she belongs. However, in the end, Clark appears to wind up in Dannytown anyway. As always, the book is very trippy. Second Coming number 4 from Ahoy Comics by Russell, Pace, Kirk, and Troy. Now, I was discussing this at our LCS, Packrat Comics in Hilliard, Ohio, and we agreed that DC Vertigo really botched it when they let this series go. I don't know what DC Vertigo was thinking of, unless they knew that they were going to end the line anyway. Yes, by the way, Vertigo is officially no more as their last titles, the Sandman universe, were unceremoniously switched to Black Label. Anyway, we're back to the hero support group who all seem to resent Sunstar. Night Justice, a guy with a boomerang and a car with grappling hooks, is tired of being undermined by him. Sunstar arrives late to say that Jesus is missing and asks for their help. I thought that was Kenny Loggins. Sunstar admits he needs their help and they go into action. Meanwhile, Jesus is in a jail cell talking to a fellow inmate who eats pine cones. He asks for a book and, of course, he gets the New Testament. Back to the team, who check out Jesus' bedroom for clues. They get a call and are told that Jesus was jailed. Psych eval for messianic fantasies. Off to the wheels of justice. Sunstar would fly over, but Jesus had stomach issues during the last flight. Cut to Germany, where Linda, an angel, meets with Satan at a diner. He tells her what has happened to God's son and offers to help save him, since God will otherwise turn earth to ash if things go the way they did the last time if Satan is forgiven and gets back into heaven. Back to the jail and the cafeteria. Jesus is confronted with a skinhead who is not happy that he wasn't born here. Mr. Pinecone takes a fork intended for Christ. In their cell, Jesus reads through the New Testament and learns how people got things so wrong. A long speech at Galilee about how you should love others even if they offer you nothing is misquoted as an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. When he healed someone, people turned it into wish lists. Of course, my other big mistake was dying, he says, since it took him out of the conversation and allowed others to twist things further. The hero team arrives with a grand plan to break out Jesus when Sunstar's partner says she got them to release him into their custody. 
Back in Germany, God arrives to meet Satan. Let's talk. One of the best parts of this title is the letter column filled with people who give their opinions, mostly positive, in a gentle manner. To me, it also allows them to ignore what are, I suppose, are a lot of letters from people who never read the book talking about how sacrilegious it is. Oh, I'm sure they do that. But this may be why letter columns are so much better than online forums, because then we can ignore those people. They're actually filtered. All right, before we get out of here, it's time to play America's fastest growing new game show. Guess who's on the cover of Entertainment Weekly Monthly? Mm -hmm. So, Mark, we do actually have an Entertainment Weekly. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Are you ready to play? I'm ready. Okay, I'm going to press the button. Uh, TV related? No. Movie related? Yes. Is it one movie on the cover? Yes. Uh, is it the cast of the movie? Um, or is uh, it a person in the movie? It's part of the cast of the movie. Part of the cast of the movie. Uh, is it a movie coming out uh, has not been out yet? That's correct. Uh, is it a movie coming out by the end of the year? Yes. Uh, is it intended to be a blockbuster? Um, maybe. Maybe. Um, is it genre related? Um... Not in a typical genre sense. Uh, is it historical? Yes. Um, is um, historical uh, and uh, is it uh, is one per- not one person on the cover? Multiple people, right? That's correct. Uh, is it all women? No. All men? No. Mix. It's a man and a woman. Man and a woman, and they're like the leads of the movie. Um, sort of, yeah. There are two people in the movie. Probably the two well-known people in the movie. The two well-known people in the movie, and it's it's historical, and are these people over 50? No. Mm, Okay. Um, Are these people over 30? Uh, No. Are these people over 20? I would say they're over 20, yes. They're over 20. They're in their 20s. Okay. And it's not, it's historical. Um, Is it based on U.S. history? Well, yes, it's set in the U.S. historical time period. Okay. Um, Is it, okay, but it's a movie. Yes. Um, You have 20 seconds left. Do you want a clue? Yes. It's based on a book. Oh, that doesn't help. Um, Um, You might have expected it to be an all-woman cast on the cover. You would expect it to be an all-woman cast. Huh. Um... It's In fact, you might have expected it to be all miniature women on the cover. <laughs> Ooh. Um, is it Little Women? It is, and you had two seconds left, and you wouldn't have gotten I it wouldn't have gotten it without miniature, <laughs> miniature actresses. <laughs> yes, it's um, Shirsha Ronan and Timothy Chalamet from okay. the new version of Little Women on the Fall Guide to Movies. The Fall Guide to Movies coming out in mid-November. November, Yes. A little late for the fall preview. Uh, yes, I would say so. But, you know, we only get it once a month now. That's right, yeah. Okay, announcer bot, how can the folks find us online? Go to sfpodcastnetwork.com to get the feed, other SF podcasts, and blogs. Subscribe by your favorite podcast catcher and leave us a review. You can email sfpodcastnetwork at gmail.com. Like us at Facebook.com slash SFPPN. Follow us on Twitter at SFPPN. Check out Tumblr.com slash blog slash SFPPN. Call us at 614-321-9737. That's 614-321-9SFP. Back to you, Mark. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.